Good to see everybody in the house today. What an exciting day we have planned for all of you. And uh, my name is Sean, by the way. My wife and I pastor this great group of people called Fellowship Church. Two words God's given us. Come on, help me say it. Hope and healing. Hope for your tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. It's all found in Jesus Christ. What you've been searching for is found in Him. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you haven't started it yet or whether you just began it, uh, you're welcome here, and we're going to help you take the next step. I want to welcome everybody in the family worship room and everybody in Overflow. Can we clap our hands and welcome all of them? Appreciate you being here, <clears throat> sitting in the lobby in our growth track room, and, and so grateful. I have a special announcement to make. This is for all of you, because we are moving now to four services come September 11th to make more room. So you won't have to sit in the lobby for very much longer. And how many are grateful that we didn't stop reaching out before you got here? So we can never say, well, wait, Sean, don't we have enough people? No, we don't. We don't. Not because we want a big church, but because heaven and hell are both realities. We want to reach out and do everything we possibly can to, to provide more space. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, spread the word. Spread the words. See, you're saying, what are the times? Well, the, the first service will be at five in the morning. I'm teasing. God's not even up that early. Yes, he is. That is also a joke. But here are the new service times, everybody. 8.30. You might want to take your phone out, take a picture of this. Starting September 11th, 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.45, and then 5 p.m. So many of you will try to choose a service to go to, and um, we're going to open up more seats. And I need you to invite your friends, your family members, your coworkers. I've met so many excuse me, so many new people over the last couple of weeks. It's been amazing. And this is a natural growth season for all of us. And so uh, if you want to help with this, join the dream team by going through Growth Track. We just had step four that's going on right now. And they're discovering their gifts, their talents, their abilities, and uh, super excited for them to join the dream team. That's everybody who serves. Every, every, everywhere you look, there are people behind the scenes serving, making Sundays possible so that you could have the best experience that's, that's possible here at the church, and uh, really grateful for all of our dream team. Come on, let's clap our hands for all the dream team, everybody. Serving everywhere, kids, media, sound, usher, greeter, parking team, just amazing. So that's, that's coming up September the 11th, and then uh, as we get started today, I'd like you to take your notes out. Um, how many know it's really good to take notes? If you take notes, um, you, you, you really begin to retain a little bit more than normal, you can go back through the week and do that and, and really refresh yourself from what you heard in, in Sunday morning. So I'd encourage you to take notes. We provide them for you. But I think it's always wise to, to get your pen out, get your, your, uh, your pencil, your MAC eyeliner, makeup pencil, whatever you can write with, just get it out and take some good notes today. Today is a standalone message, and it's entitled The Next Step. <clears throat> the Next Step. What is the next step? Step. We just came from a series from Detox, and so I want to talk to you about the next step. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your amazing grace and your love that we didn't work for, we didn't earn it, but because of your faithfulness, Lord, you have given that to us freely. Today, I pray that you speak to every life, every heart. We've come expecting, Lord, and some of us have had a really rough week, but we made it here and I just thank you that you're going to meet us no matter where we are. In Jesus' name, somebody say a good amen. amen. So super pumped about the four services starting on September 11th, 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.45, and 
and 5 p.m. And today I want to talk to you about the next step, the next step. Anybody like riding bicycles? Anybody, anybody? We actually have a bike riding small group, which starts September 14th, all the small groups launch. And you can go to our website because all the small groups are live today. So you have two weeks to go shopping for which small group you want to jump in. And uh, then they start September 14th, and they'll go for 13 weeks. Do life together. We are better together. Well, I love bike riding, but um, my daughters this last week, they wanted to go bike riding. And uh, as many of you know, I just had appendix surgery last Saturday. So I'm still recovering. And, and I, you know, I'm a man. So when the doctor was like, you need your appendix out, I said, just leave them in there. I'll digest it like a man. <laughs> he didn't think that was funny. And he took them out. So took the appendix out. And I'm not supposed to lift anything heavy, anything heavier than a milk carton. That's, that's it. So my daughters want to go bike riding, and I can't really do that. I'm not supposed to do that. So we're, we're at the place, the bike rental place, and the guy says, I have another option for you. I said, well, what is it? He said, I have an electric bicycle. I said, well, tell me about, more about this electric bicycle, sir. He says, well, you get on it, and you don't have to pedal. This is amazing. Why have we waited so long to come out with this electric bicycle, sir? And he tells me, all you have to do is just turn the handle, and you just zoom away. 20 miles an hour, this thing goes. So I bought, I rented the, the electric bike for me, and I got the regular bikes for my daughters. <laughs> and we all start off, you know, they, they, they don't want to wear the helmets, but we start off, and, and I just zoom. Like, I'm, let's go, girls, zoom, and I'm, I'm gone. And um, then the girls, I hear the faint cry of the girls in the distance saying, Daddy, wait up. So I have to stop and wait for them. I'm looking, checking email, texting, waiting for them to catch up. And then as soon as they get there, I take off again. Let's go. You know, I'm not even, my feet aren't on the pedals. My feet are like this. I'm like, having fun. And, and then they catch up again. And they couldn't even last the entire hour. And I, they're puffing, they're huffing, they're puffing. They're, they're trying to catch up. They're trying to keep up. And they just couldn't. I'm not working at all. Like literally, after the hour, they were done at like 45 minutes. They said, Dad, let's just turn the bikes back in. I said, why are you out of breath? That was messed up, wasn't it? So these girls of mine, um, they, they worked so hard, pedaling, pedaling. They're sweating. They're asking, Dad, could we take a break? Can we stop by 7-Eleven and get something to drink? I'm like, we don't need one. We're fine. Come on. So we turned the bikes back in, and, and we, you know, we go get something to eat afterwards. But I started thinking about that. That the electric bike is such a great invention because I don't have to do any work at all. All I do was simply jump on and it does all the work for me. Started thinking about salvation, like how someone gets saved or made right with God is like the electric bike. It is, it is you just jumping on and trusting in what God has already done. You don't do any work to get saved. And the problem is a lot of you struggle because you're trying to work. You're on the bicycle pedaling. You're pedaling. You're trying to work in this religious thing, trying to make yourself right with God by, by trying harder or being a better person or being more positive or not yelling as much at the kids. And I'm just here to tell you, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works. lest any, Nobody can brag about being saved. 
And today I want to encourage you that how one is made right with God is not determined by how much you pray or give or any of that stuff. It's based on you just jumping in saying, God, I give my life to you. I trust you for salvation. And he's the one who's done all the work. Come on, is there anybody in the room that's grateful that Jesus did all the work? 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross to pay for our sin. And that's salvation. Religion is spelled D-O. Like you got to do more and maybe God will like you. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Because Jesus done did it all already. Come on, is there anybody grateful about that? Well, that's salvation. All right, that's salvation. And we just came from a detox series, 21 Days of Prayer, which has been amazing. That's salvation. And many of you have made that step. Hundreds of you have made that step to give your life to Christ. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Well, what's the next step? Today, I want to invite you not to just hear a sermon. I want to invite you to be the sermon. Because water baptism is the next step in our relationship with God. I'm going to show you some of this in the Bible. Romans chapter 6, Paul is writing here. Paul was a Christian hater. He, he killed Christians. That was part of his job. And then he encountered Jesus Christ and everything changed in his life. He would go on to become the greatest missionary this world has ever known aside from Christ himself. And he's declaring and giving a picture about baptism. Everyone say, a picture is worth a thousand words. So Jesus is giving us a picture of what happens on the inside. That's what baptism is all about. Let's take a look. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Okay, look up here for just a moment. There was evidently a teaching going on where you can just... Let's just sin all we want to because God's grace is going to cover it at the end. And hey, we'll be all good. And Paul's like, that's a dumb idea. And he goes to explain why. We are those who have died to sin. So when we come to Jesus, we die to our old nature, our old life. How can we live in it any longer? Then he asks a question. Or don't you know that all of us who were what? Baptized, say baptized, into Christ Jesus. We're baptized, say baptized, into his death. We, therefore, were buried with him through baptism, say baptism, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have and live a a new life. That's the best news you've heard all day. Verse 5 says, For if we have been united with him in his death like his, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection like his. For we know, we know, we know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body of Sin, that it was ruled by sin, might be done away with, that we may no longer be slaves to sin. Baptism is a beautiful picture. Here's what it is. Baptism in the Greek is the word baptismo. It means submersion. That's why we don't sprinkle at our church, because that's not the Bible word. The Bible word literally means to be submerged. And, and this picture is that we identify. Jesus was, was crucified. He died. He was buried, but he rose from the dead. Well, when we are baptized... You get into the water, and the water symbolizes a watery grave. So you go under the water, and your old life is done away with. Now listen, we've never left anybody in the water. We always bring them back out. There's a resurrection. God raises you to a new life. It's a symbol that your old life was buried with Christ, and that Jesus raises you to a brand new life. How many are thankful for that? There's hope and healing right here in the room today with Jesus. And so... Paul is giving us this this analogy, this picture, so that we can forever remember it. 
And Jesus would come one day in Matthew 28, 19 and say, it's a command, be baptized. I find it interesting that some of the greatest moments in our life happen when you're least expecting it. Think about David and Goliath. David killed Goliath, he conquered Goliath, and that was something that he did not plan that morning. He didn't wake up thinking, I'm gonna kill a giant today. He just simply followed the orders of his father to run an errand to bring his brothers on the battlefield some grilled cheese sandwiches. And because of that obedience, one small step, an unexpected thing happened. He would become the hero of a nation. Unexpected step, very simple, changed forever. Peter and his boys were fishing one day. Jesus rolls up and he's like, hey, how's fishing? They're like, it stinks. Jesus says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you cast your nets on the other side of the boat? You can imagine them be like, okay, that's a great idea. And for some reason they did it and caught so many fish, their nets began to break. They recognized this is no mere man, this is the Son of God. Jesus says, come follow me. And they didn't wake up that morning thinking, I'm going to go start the greatest movement on planet Earth. But they did. One simple step. And they would write Scripture, part of the Bible, that would lead thousands of people, millions of people, to heaven one day. Simple step, just very unexpected. Diana did not know that when I asked her to marry me, that would be the best decision of her life. (laughs) Very unexpected. (laughs) You didn't have to laugh that hard. (laughs) Today, some of you are going to take a step that was unexpected. We have prayed and we have hundreds of, of dream teamers who have prepared for something to take place today in your life. Where many of you came in today and you were not planning on being water baptized. But by the end of this sermon, you're going to want to be water baptized right here, right now, today. unexpected, and yet a simple step that could become one of the greatest moments of your life. Now, before you get too worried about this, everybody just take a deep breath and let it out. Just relax a moment, and I'm not forcing anybody, but I do want to relay a polemic that would would encourage you to take this step. And I want to think just for a moment as your hearts are open. Don't give pushback on this. Just listen with an open heart. Because what is a follower of Jesus look like? What does that even mean? I suppose that if we asked 100 different people what following Jesus meant, we probably would get 100 different answers. Here's the problem, though. I feel like many times we follow Jesus based on convenience instead of personal conviction from the Word of God. We'll follow Jesus when it's convenient for us, and then when it's inconvenient, we'll, we'll turn around or we'll distance ourselves just a little bit. We'll follow him and until he asks us to do something that we don't like, and then we say, well, I'm not... I'm not too sure how close I really want to be. This is difficult for us in a very social media-driven culture because how, how many are on Facebook? You're on Facebook? Come on, wave at me. Wave, wave. I heard there's one in eight people that have a Facebook account on planet Earth. Facebook is interesting because you can go to someone's page and like what they post when you're in a good mood. Well, guess what? The next day, if you're in a bad mood, you can go and unlike it. How many on Instagram? Anybody Instagram? Instagram? We have Instagram too. A church has Instagram. A wife and I have Instagram. I think you should follow us on Instagram if you want to go to heaven. (laughs) I'm teasing. But it is a good way to disseminate information. Here's the thing about Instagram. Instagram is you can choose to follow someone 
one day. And then if you don't like to the next day, guess what? You can come back and click unfollow. Or depending on your mood, you can, you can do that however many times you want to. You follow the next day, you unfollow. Follow again, unfollow. And for some of you, you're following people like a celebrity who does not even know you exist, but you are following them from a distance. We call that stalking. <laughs> and they don't know you. There's zero relationship with you, but occasionally you just like to come around and see what's going on in their life. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, this depicts a very clear picture of many of us how we follow Jesus. That we follow him when, we, when it's convenient and then we unfollow or distance ourselves or we follow from a distance because we don't want to get too close. But we like to know what's going on with him and his church. Today, I'm wondering if we could rewind the tape and say, God, I don't want to follow you when it's convenient. Like the old song says, I want to follow you. I want to follow you no matter what. I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. There is no turning back. Come on, is there anybody that wants that to be your heart's cry? As we look at some scripture, I want you to understand what Jesus says about following him because he's the leader. He's asking you, write this down in your notes, he's asking all of us to step out from among the crowd. To step out from among the crowd. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus called whom? The crowd to him along with the disciples. Everybody say the crowd. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple or my follower must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. He's saying, if you try to hold on to your life, it's not going to work out. You're going to lose it. Once you give it away to Jesus, he says, that's when you'll actually find out and discover what life is really about. And many of us could testify to that. We were trying to do life on our own, and it wasn't working. We've given our life to Jesus and a whole new, a whole new world, a whole new world has opened up. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Who cares if we had all that money could buy and took part in every pleasure in the world if we lost our soul at the end? What good would it be for me to offer you a million dollars to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge? That you would gain a million dollars, but you would lose your life. Verse 37 says, Who can, what, what can you give in exchange for your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, Jesus says, in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Listen, all of us are somewhere on our spiritual journey. Some of you haven't started yet. That's okay. You're welcome here. We're glad you're here. Where else can you hear about this stuff? Some of you just started your walk with God. Some of you have been following God for a long time. Part of my job as a pastor is to help you understand what following Jesus looks like. And all of you are on, somewhere on your spiritual journey. My job is to help you just take one step. Not, not, I'm not worried about you moving five years down the road and, and fixing everything in your life. Wherever you are, we say this a lot around our church, just move one step. Move one step. Just one step. Just worry about one step. What is that step? If you haven't given your life to Jesus and surrendered the controls of your life to him, I'm going to lead you in a commitment prayer at the end of today to give you an opportunity to do just that. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus and you're saying, what's the next step? The next step is water baptism. Water baptism. Well, what's the next step after that? Well, join the church through our growth track. Step four starts next Sunday 
at 1015. You can join the church and go give me four Sundays and I'll help you discover your purpose. It's not that difficult. It's not because we're super smart. It's because God's word just works. And then get in a small group. Get on our dream team. Those four steps will help you grow. And I promise you, I promise you in a year's time from now, you're not going to recognize who you are because you've grown so much. But we need to take another step. And here's what Jesus is saying. Write this down. Come closer. Just come closer. No matter where you are, how close you are, we can always take another step closer. We can come closer to know who Jesus is. And Peter, who's the subject of our text this morning, he's a guy who a lot of us can relate to because this guy, he was a hothead. He had a bad mouth. I mean, he's always talking first, and he only got it right a couple times. But, man, he's just, he's just always putting his foot in his mouth. And Peter would go on to, to follow Jesus, but he had some commitment issues. And he would deny Jesus three times. Now listen to me. It's one thing to deny Jesus three times and to blow it. It's another thing for Jesus to tell you when you're going to blow it, how you're going to blow it, and then you still blow it. How many would feel like the biggest idiot? That's Peter. Jesus is like, tonight, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. Peter's like, whatever. That ain't me. I'm right or die. I'd die before I do that, Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm just telling you. Peter, Peter, he, out of all that, he still blows. I would have like duct taped my mouth, went to sleep. I'm like, I'm not moving. Mm, I'm not, I'm not, if Jesus tells me that, he denied Jesus. The Bible says that the night that Jesus was betrayed, the guards came into the garden and they took Jesus. And our text says in Luke chapter 22, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Read this next sentence out loud together with me, everybody. Peter followed at a distance. That was his problem. He was like, I'm with Jesus, but I don't want to be too close because it might cost me something. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, read this out. Peter sat down with them. When he should have been standing with Jesus, he sat down with the crowd. This guy denies Jesus three times. And really, it's a picture of many of us, and me included. We all have had those moments where we're supposed to be standing with Jesus, but we take our seat with the crowd. Baptism is what takes you from sitting with the crowd to standing with Jesus. It's a public declaration of who who you want Jesus to be inside of your life. Fast forward, thank God for grace, because after the resurrection, Peter is reconciled with Jesus. Jesus calls him back on purpose, back on mission, and Jesus fills him in Acts chapter 2 with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And this guy, Peter, goes on to preach the first sermon of the early church. It's amazing. He preaches with no notes, no Bible. He doesn't even have like a pocket Gideon scroll. There's nothing. He's just preaching. 3,000 people get saved and baptized that same day. It's amazing. This same Peter who denied Jesus three times gets up and in Acts chapter 2 he says, then Peter what? What was his posture in the previous text? He was sitting down with the crowd. Something happened inside of him. He made a decision and he stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd and says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully what I say. And he would go on preach to preach the first sermon. Read Acts chapter 2. It's a phenomenal message. Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved. This guy, the same guy, he goes from punk Peter 
to preaching Peter. He goes from punk Peter to powerful Peter, proclaiming Peter, passionate Peter, prophetic Peter. He goes into another mode. Why? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And in that environment, he made a decision to stand for Christ publicly. And what was the result? People got saved and are sitting in heaven today. And generations have come to know Christ because of Peter's decision to stand with him. This is an amazing text. As we see the first sermon of the church, you could read, and the very last thing that happens is the people ask the question at the very end. Like somebody raises their hand. Can you picture this church setting? Somebody raises their hand because they don't know that you're not supposed to raise hands in church. Like they're all new. They're like, hey, Peter. Hey, excuse me, buddy. Excuse me. Great sermon, by the way. Awesome. I'll get the CD. I have a question. What do we do? Like that's a great question to ask yourself after every sermon. Never just come and feel like, I just want to be inspired today. I just need to be inspired. Okay, let me inspire you. But you also need to ask a question. What does God want me to do now? Like, what is the next step? It's, it's, it's incredible. People think, well, the environment's going to change us. We work really hard to create an environment that's life-giving, that's filled with hope and healing. But listen to me. Environments don't change people's lives. Environments create an opportunity for you to make a decision. And that decision in the environment changes your life. There were plenty of people that encountered Jesus that never, they walked away unchanged. But there's millions of people that have encountered Jesus, made a decision in that place, and their lives have been forever changed and would never be the same. What, what do we do? In other words, what is the next step, Peter? Peter gives it to him. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Ever take your, your preaching finger out like this. Now point it at me and shout, Repent. Now, if you grew up in church, sometimes that word is, is a little harsh, isn't it? When you say it like that, like, like I just felt like you guys were judging me. We, we hear that word, we're like, that's such a harsh word. Repent? Sean, could you use a nicer word? Here's what the word means. Okay, you ready for this? It means you turn around. Ooh, scary word. I'm not really sure why we've used it in such a harsh tone. It never needs to be. It doesn't need to be that. It's, it's turn around, like you're going your way, turn around and go God's way. And notice the next step. He says, repent and be baptized. This is one motion. You turn and step. Turn and step. Baptism was never meant to be 20 years down the road. It was repent and be baptized. And then he goes on to say, for the forgiveness of your sins, every one of you, not some of us, not a couple of us, not the super spiritual ones, not the ones who have their act together, not the ones who said they'll never make a mistake again. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God would call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Listen, sometimes you, you listen to me preaching. You're like, Sean, can you just dial it back a little bit? Why are you yelling so much? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm pleading with you. I'm not, I don't want to be pushy. and I'm never, We don't come across pushy. We're pleading with you. I was in L.A. a few months ago, a couple years ago, actually, and we saw this. This, 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 this place on the beach that had a lot of restaurants. My wife and I and my girls, we walk up to, a, to, to one of the local guys. He's a bouncer at a restaurant. I'm, I'm like, hey, bro, where's the best burger in town? He says, not here. <laughs> you need to go around the corner. There's a little Irish pub there. 
best burger in town. I'm like, you sure? You're a local. Awesome. So we go around the corner, and it's this dark Irish pub. It's, it's, I mean, the guy is super rude. Why is it like the best, pe- the best places they have rude people working there? Like they know their stuff is good. They're like, I know you're mad, but you're still coming back. I go in there, it's 21 and over, so my girls can't even walk in. They're outside with Diana. And I walk into this dimly lit place. The guy's rude. He looks like he's been there since the flood. And it, we're there, and he has a menu, and it has clip art, like pictures of clip art hamburgers. I'm like, I must be in the wrong place. This is crazy. I, give the, I put the menu down. I walk out. And as I'm walking out, my girls are hungry. I'm hungry. My wife is hungry. A lady says, hey, were you thinking about eating there? I say, why, yes, I was. She said, best burger place in town. I said, well, okay then. We went, I went back in by myself, and I, I said, six cheeseburgers, please. Had to wait a long time. The guy was rude. I got my cheeseburger. We went outside, because again, they can't come inside. We are sitting on the sidewalk, ladies and gentlemen, by the beach. We open up this cheeseburger, and I'm not joking when I tell you, it was the best burger I have ever had in my life. Juice is dripping all over the place, but you don't even care. It's like you're just eating and eating. You're like, this is the, I've never, what, bur- all burgers should taste like this. Honest to God truth, people are walking by me and I'm telling complete strangers, guys, stop what you're doing. Do yourself a favor. Go in there right now and get a burger. Best burger in the world. Sir, what are you doing? Go in there, right? I don't care if you've already eaten. Eat again. Do yourself a favor. When we're preaching, listen, we're not trying to be pushy. We have just experienced the greatest gift on planet earth. Jesus Christ has changed our life. We're trying to tell everybody, stop what you're doing. Give your life to him and take the next step for yourself. Do yourself a favor. We're pleading with you. Listen, I don't get a commission every time someone's dunked. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. I want you to experience what we've experienced. 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church that same day. Listen, everybody, this is amazing. It's the most basic step, and yet we've made it so complicated. We've over-spiritualized it. We've made it, we've made it like you have to reach a certain level of perfection in your walk with God before you can get baptized. Listen, this may be you today, that you need to get water baptized. Let me give you three reasons why you should. And everybody look right at me. If you won't take the most basic step to follow Jesus, what makes you think that you'll ever grow or mature or do anything of significance after this? Like it's the simplest step in the world. You get in water, you, go, get, you get dunked. It's so simple. And yet we, we over-spiritualize and say, oh, I can't, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Let me give you three reasons why you should get water baptized today. Number one, number one, to follow the example set by Jesus to follow the example that's set by Jesus himself. Jesus got baptized. Did you guys know that? So Jesus is baptized, but he didn't need to be. <clears throat> Let me explain it. Being baptized means that you are, your sins are being washed away. Well, Jesus was sinless. He never sinned. So he didn't need to be baptized, but he did it anyway because he's saying, let me show you how important this is to me. I'm going to fulfill all the law. I, I, I want to show you what I want. And really baptism, understanding the context of what this represents, <coughs> it's, it means that you're being raised to a brand new life. Paul comes in 1 Corinthians in your notes and says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, let's do whatever he says. You've heard it explained this way, that baptism is really like the wedding ring of salvation. 
It does. Let, let me ask you a question. Does this wedding ring make me married? It doesn't make me married, does it? Say no. It's not a trick question. Okay, if I take it off, am I still married? If I put it on, am I still married? It doesn't make me married. It's a symbol that I am already. Now, there are some girls who buy a don't bother me ring. You know what that is? It's the girl who just gets hit on way too many times by a bunch of scumbags. And so she buys a ring that's usually unbelievable. Like it's like 75 carats. It's way big. I mean, it's way bigger than any diamond should be. It's like the pink panther on her finger. She's like, I'm married. Okay, that's unbelievable. Get a real one. And, but she's doing this because she didn't want people to bother her at work. And um, guys, if you see that, don't bother her at work. But here's the thing. Putting that ring on, does it make her married? Just because she has a ring on doesn't make her married. A wedding ring is a symbol that you already are. Salvation comes freely from God. Baptism does not save you. It's a symbol that you've already been saved and given your life to Jesus. It's all it is. It's a symbol. We're not unfamiliar with, unfamiliar with symbols. They're all around us. And, and here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28. He says, be baptized. Like it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Be baptized. I want you to identify and follow my example. Here's 1 John. Okay, put your seatbelt on. This is a little, this is a little, little tough to hear. 1 John chapter 2 says, on the other side of your notes, he says, someone may say, hey, I'm a Christian, and I'm on my way to heaven. I belong to Christ. Okay, watch this, watch this. But if he does not do what Christ tells him to, he's a liar. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. John did. Like, we can't say we're following Jesus if we don't follow Jesus. And so we take the, these steps because we're following him. And this is, amazing. this is how serious it is. Jesus says, I want you to experience this. It's, it's an outward symbol of what took place on your heart when I saved you. Look at me, everybody. Jesus said this, I'll take the cross. You get water. Oh, okay, Jesus. I can do that. Jesus went to the cross, and all we have to do is step into a tank? Absolutely. Why would I not want to identify with my Savior? Amen, everybody. Number two, number two, number one, to, to follow the example set by Jesus. Number two, to demonstrate my changed life. To demonstrate my changed life, that when you go down, it's like a watery grave. The old you is buried. You're raised to a brand new life in Jesus. And some of you are like, but Sean, I was baptized as a baby. Well, that was a great experience for your parents. You don't remember it. And the, plus the Bible says, repent and be baptized. A baby can't repent. So in the order, we, 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 we turn our lives to Jesus, and the next step is baptism. We, we, here's what we do. We don't baptize babies because babies haven't repented yet. We dedicate babies, and we baptize believers. We dedicate babies. And this stage will be filled with parents. We dedicated, I don't even, I mean, three services packed with babies, <clears throat> We dedicated them so that we said, God, we bless them, keep them, and let them want to make this decision for themselves one day. And I pray that you win their heart over. And we pray all that over them. And then we baptize people for believers. Listen, I believe with all of my heart, it's time that we make a decision to do this. And you say, well, I'm not a member of the church. You don't have to be a member of the church. 
One girl this morning, she got baptized first service. She says, I've been putting it off for so long because I thought it meant I had to be perfect. I'm like, none of us are perfect. If that was the case, none of us would be baptized. Come on, all the imperfect people, wave at me, wave at me. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're imperfect because you just lied. Oh, anyway. All right, so you, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means you're following Jesus. And when you fall after baptism, God's grace will be there to keep you and call you back on mission again. But we follow him because his word says so. Follow his example. And then, and then to demonstrate my changed life, 1 Peter chapter 3 says this. That, by the way, is what baptism pictures for us. It is a picture for us. In baptism, we show that we've been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because by in being baptized, we are turning to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. This is a great picture, man. It's not the water that fixes everything. My daughters, they were about six years old when they got baptized. And some people are like, isn't that too young? And it might be for some kids. I just think if, if they know what it means, I don't want to be the dad that chokes out the enthusiasm for them following Christ. Dad, can I get baptized? No. You're not going to follow Jesus. I don't want to be that dad. So I asked them, hey, what does it mean to you? And I remember they said, it means I want to, I want to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus. I want everybody to know. I was like, get in the tank. <laughs> like, that's it, right? <laughs> what else is there? Some adults can't even articulate that. <laughs> they got in the, they, I baptized them. It was so special. I loved it. Well, the next baptism, the next baptism, my twins, Victoria and Alexandra, they're riding in the back of the van and they're having a conversation. And I'm telling girls, we're going to have a, a baptism. And, and, and they couldn't even, they couldn't even say it right. They're like, I want them to say, I want to be baptized again. And her twin says, no, if you go in there, you might get your sins back. (laughs) Isn't that the cutest? Like they were just convinced sins are just floating in the water, which would make it really bad for the last person getting baptized. You know what I mean? Peter says, it's not the water that fixes us. It's a symbol that demonstrates that our lives have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. It's a symbol that our lives have been changed. And if, you're, if you have not been baptized as a result of your own personal decision, I'm praying that today you would move from sitting with the crowd to standing with Jesus Christ. Come on, let's clap our hands and say a good amen. I just came back from Israel a couple months ago, and it was so crazy because, I mean, I always used to wonder, like, 3,000 people got baptized on the day of Pentecost? Where? And at that south wall of the temple, at the south wall of the city, it's amazing. There's, there's so many little ceremony, ceremonial bath places because people would come in, and they'd cleanse themselves first, and they'd come up and offer sacrifices everywhere. It would have been so simple for 3,000 people to get baptized. Amazing. And as we're there, we're in the Jordan River. I get baptized. Again, I, I've been baptized as a child, but I'm in, come on, I'm in Israel. I'm, I'm getting baptized in the Jordan River. So I get baptized in the Jordan River, and the, the church we support over there, King of Kings Church in Israel, in Jerusalem, largest church in Jerusalem, he baptized me in the river where, where Jesus and, and all those others would have been baptized. So it's so special. But here's what I was told. Back in the day when they would wear these, these, uh, these robes, these clothes, what they would do is they'd get baptized and then they'd take the outer clothes, robe off and they'd let it float down the river. Symbolizing their old life has been washed away. Who doesn't want that? I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, today's the day. 
Number three, here's the third reason to get baptized today. To declare my commitment publicly. To declare my commitment to Christ publicly. Because here's the deal. Jesus wants you to follow him and not be ashamed about it. He doesn't want you to follow him and not want to be seen in public with him. He says, to the degree that I went to the cross for you, I want you now to follow me. That's why we do public baptisms. And some people might come up to you and say, oh my gosh, like your, your faith is supposed to be private. There's not one verse in the entire Bible that says that. As a matter of fact, the opposite is said that God says, I want you to be like a city that's set on top of a hill. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide under a bush, no way. God said, I want your, your, your works, your light to so shine before men that they could see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me explain it another way. Out of this wedding ring, I've been married to Diana for 18 years. There's a box in my garage. When I leave the house, I take the ring off and I put the ring in the box. And I go about my day because I don't want anybody to know that I'm married to her. I want it to be private. And I, when I come home, I, put, I take the ring out of the box, I put it back on my finger, and I go into the house. And I, I'm married at home in, in the privacy of our own home. Keep it to ourselves. How many know that ain't the truth? <laughs> if that was the truth, there would be wars and rumors of wars, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I promise you that. Are you kind of getting the picture? Jesus says, I don't, this is not a private thing. That's why we do public baptisms. Because you're declaring in front of people, I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm following Jesus. Not perfect, but I'm following him. I've dreamt of a church where we can just be real. We don't have to act like we have it all together, but we can take our masks off and say, God, this is, I'm yours. Look at Matthew 10. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Watch this. But whoever disowns me before others. I will disown before my Father in heaven. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, you do not want Jesus disowning you in heaven. This is heavy. And you're saying, well, what is the ne- what's the absolute next step? I'll tell you what it is. It's super simple. Acts 2.41, the end of Peter's sermon, when they asked, what do we do? He says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to their number. When? Say it again. Say it again. Say it one more time. Not 20 years from now. That day. The very first response to Christians in the Bible of giving their life to Jesus, the very first act that they did 27 times in the New Testament that we see baptism, every single one of them was spontaneous and immediate. Spontaneous and immediate. Say that day. Okay, when I point to you, you got to help me preach. I want you to say that day. 3,000 people got saved and were baptized after they went through a 40-week membership class? No, it was 3,000 people got saved after they had worked out all their issues and obtained perfection? No, it was 3,000 people got saved and baptized after they went home and made sure their Aunt Gertrude can fly in from Minnesota to the next church baptism? No, it was They all got baptized when they were they felt like they were ready. No, it was I'm believing today might be that day for hundreds of you in this room. I believe it with all of my heart. And why not today? Why not this day? Why not right here? Why not right now? The only prerequisite is salvation. Like the only, 
You don't have to reach perfection. Have you given your life to Jesus? Some people say, I'm just not ready. Every baptism, we hear people say that. I'm not ready. What does that even mean? I know what you're trying to say, but that excuse is invalid. I would understand it if, you have, if you've not given your life to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity in the next breath to give your life to Christ. And then the next step is baptism. If you've given your life to Jesus, that excuse is invalid. It's, it's the very next thing we do. We don't, we don't obtain a certain level of perfection. If you follow Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, the next step is absolutely baptism. And I'm praying that that day would be today. And why not? Why not? Could this be the day that a dad steps up and says, hey, listen, I don't have my act all together, but one thing I do know, I love Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for him forgiving my sins. I'm getting baptized today as an example to my family. Could it be that this day is the day that a mom steps up and says, listen, I haven't worked through all my issues yet either, but I'm gonna step out and be baptized today. Could it be that entire families get baptized and say, from this day on, our household will serve the Lord together. Could that be, that day turn into today? With all of my heart, I'm pressing, I'm pleading with you that this day would be that day today. Everything you need, we have for you, we prepared for you. And I'm gonna have Sharice Libby jump on stage. Come on, give Sharice a big hand, everybody. Sharice is here, and some of you are like, Sean, you moved my heart. All right, but listen, I didn't come prepared. It's okay, because we got you. This church has spent a lot of money. We have hundreds of dream teamers that have prepared everything. I mean everything you need. We have everything. Come on up here. If you get baptized today, we have everything. We have a towel. You say, oh, I didn't have a towel. It's okay, we got you. Brand new. This is not reused, okay? It's brand new. You get a shirt that says, I have decided, and we have this in every size, ladies and gentlemen. You say, well, I don't have shorts. It's okay. We have black shorts. By the way, black shirts are good during baptisms. Can I hear an amen? Shorts in every side. This is all yours to keep. You say, Sean, well, what, else, what about, I'm a little pale. The sun's going to get me. We have sunscreen if you want it. We have flip-flops. We have hair dryers. We have hair ties. We have unmentionable underwear in every size for boys, men, girls, women. We have a bag that you'll get. You put everything inside of, and when you go up there, you, you give it to the person. It'll never leave your sight. It's right there. We have hair gel. We have hairspray. We have makeup remover. We have, we have other stuff for women. You say, Sean, my, my skin gets a little ashy. It's okay. We got lotion. We got you. We have a photographer. My family's not here. We have a photographer that will take a picture of you and send it to all of your family members. What else do you need? Come on. No more excuses. Today's the day for you to take the most simple step in following Jesus Christ. We have three tanks outside, and we have a place. They all have been filtering, so it's as clean as it was before the first service. I'm telling you, it's clean. We have three tanks. We have changing rooms over by the side that are individual changing rooms, like individual tents. So you're not changing in front. It's not, you know, junior high locker room. Your own individual tent. The water's warm. It's 90 degrees outside for crying out loud. It's the perfect day to get baptized. We have everything you need. I can't do this for you. I can prepare everything for you. I can prepare a great meal for you. I cannot make you eat. I don't know where else you're going to get all this prepared. Today is the day that we give our life to Christ. 
and we take the next step. Come on, stand to your feet, everybody. All right, listen. This is the moment. This is the time. Some of you weren't even supposed to show up today, but God knew you were supposed to be here. In the lobby, in the family worship room, in this auditorium, when I count to three, those of you who'd like to be baptized, I'm going to ask you to, to elbow the person next to you and say, excuse me, I'm going to get baptized. You're going to make your way out of your, uh, your seats into an aisle and look over in that corner. See those people waving their hand? Come on, look at them, look at them. That's where you're going to go. Now you can check your, you can leave your kids in there if you want to and go get baptized and go get them. Or you can bring the kids with you and let them watch you get baptized. I think that's special for them to see the example set by parents. But you're going to go that direction. You'll register and then you'll get your, all your outfits. You'll go into a private changing area with personalized tents. <clears throat> the water's warm. The water's clean. But on the count of three, if that's you, come on, if this is you, don't wait another moment. When I say three, if you want to get baptized today, get out of your seat. This is your time. One, come on, they're already moving. Two, no more excuses. Come on, three. Come on, let's clap our hands for everybody getting baptized today. Go, 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 go. Come on, there's more of us. Today, God, we've decided to follow you. Come on, let's clap our hands. Let's clap our hands for these people. Yeah. Come on, let's sing this out. They're still moving. They're still going. Go, 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 go.